Welcome to Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us this week for Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23, with Pastor John Barrera. Good morning, good morning. I saw some of y'all look like, wait, that's not Pastor John. I know, I know. Like my beautiful bride was saying, they, uh, John and Margaret are enjoying a well-deserved break, and it is an honor to be here this morning and just teach God's word. You know, it's a, it's a great thing to gather. And uh, in case you're wondering why I'm moving in, is I'm a walker. I like to walk in. And so, you know, we, I know before when we had the camera, I had to stay within this, the, the lines here. And now I feel free. I feel like I can move around. See, it just feels so good. But you know what? It's so good. It's so good to be here. And this morning, we're going to be out of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through 23. And uh, it's a great portion of scripture. And it's very, actually, it's really cool. The title of the message for you note takers out there, Seven Characteristics of a Healthy Church. Now, if you look through the, uh, the, the book of Ephesians, for you, know, for you Bible scholars out there, you know that the book of Ephesians was a prison epistle. Paul wrote this confined in a Roman prison. He was in prison when he wrote this book. It was written... Sometime about 60 AD, 61 AD, you know. And what's interesting about this, the book, the book of Ephesians, is this is a book where Paul wrote that he was encouraging. He was wanting to build up the church of Ephesus. A, a new work was going on in there. The church was growing. And, and, and Paul wanted to build them up. And it's different because unlike the other books that he's written, when he wrote to the church of Galatians, there was legalism. And so he had to address that. And so the book of Galatians was written to, to combat that. Also, when he wrote, to the, the, wrote the letter to the church in Corinth, there was immorality. And so Paul had to address that as well. You see that in 2 Corinthians. But this book, Ephesians, it, it was different. And he was able to, to so, uh, share godly principles and, and share um, some foundational truths to the church. So before we get started, please join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is truth. And Lord, we just pray as you, your spirit is here, Lord, that I would decrease, that these would no, not be my words. Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would minister to every single person that's here this morning, every person who will get to hear it, Online, Father, I pray, Lord, that your word will go forth. And I thank you, Father, that we have that confidence that your word doesn't return void. So now, Lord, prepare our hearts to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And you know, with the book of Ephesians, for all who are not familiar with it, I encourage you. It's a great a study on. It's Ephesians, six chapters. The first three chapters talk about what God has done for us, the spiritual blessings, and what he's done to, to empower us, to what he's given us you know, as his children. And four, five, and six deals with, well, now that we know that, now that we know what God has done for us and the spiritual blessings, how do we go about living in our marriages, in our work relations? How do we apply that? But you know, as, as we're going through chapter one, Chapter one's interesting because he's, he first, he's talking, the first 14 verses, he's talking about the spiritual blessings. And I want to, if you really want to have your, just be blessed and just 
just have uh, just be incredibly amazed at what God has done for us. I encourage you on your own time to read Ephesians 1 verses 1 through 14 and see that all the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. You know, we, the Lord has given us so many blessings um, and it's amazing. You can see when Paul's writing that, that it's a continuous sentence. A lot of theologians believe and scholars believe that he was excited as he's sitting there in his prison epistle, writing this prison epistle. You know, he's thinking just of all the goodness of God and he's wanting to encourage the church and he's just writing it. I mean, it is one long run-on sentence, you know. But of course, our Bibles, you won't know that because it's, you know, they got the, the verses and stuff. So, you know, that it's for our understanding. But back, if you can picture that, Paul sitting in the, in the prison, you know, uh, with the guards, you know, he's just, you know, being, being directed by the Holy Spirit. He's writing out, he's writing out all these, these blessings that we have in Christ and that the church of Ephesus has in Christ. Then if you notice, verse 15, he almost, he, 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 he reflects and he stops. He, he thinks, he's thinking of a common, he, he's thinking of the church. And he, it makes him stop and he, he starts writing about a report that he's heard about this church. And thinking about the church, he's, it makes him pray. And so when you look at that, and that's going to be our portion of Scripture today, 15 through 23, we're going to see that as Paul, as he, was, you know, as he was writing about the blessings, but then he stops and he thinks about that church, and then he prays for them. You know, that'd be, it's a quick read, but we will miss well, there's so much we can glean from that. And that's, I want to hone in on that today. So that's, again, seven characteristics from, of a healthy church that we will see in, 15, in verse 15 and 23. So right off the bat, let me, give you, let me give you what they're going to be, okay? And then we're going to break it down. So I ask that you bear with me because as we go through these nine scriptures, we're going to be breaking them down, dissecting them, uh, because there's so much to glean from. So for all you note takers out there, here we go. First 15, a healthy church has a good reputation. First, uh, verse 15, number one, a healthy church has a good reputation. Verse 16 is going to be our second one. A healthy church is a thankful church. I'll say it again. Second one, a healthy church is a thankful church. Right. Our third one, also found in verse 16, is a healthy church never stops praying. Third healthy characteristic is a healthy church never stops praying. Right. Verse 17 is where we'll find our fourth bullet point. A healthy church seeks the Lord. Again, let me say that. Verse 17, we'll find a fourth Characteristic, a healthy church seeks the Lord. Verse 18 is where we'll find our fifth characteristic. And that characteristic is a healthy church has healthy eyes. What? You'll see what I mean. You'll see what I mean. Okay? I'll say it again. A healthy church has healthy eyes. All right. Now, verses 19 through 20 is where we'll get our sixth characteristic. The church knows the power of God. Again, let me repeat, verses 19 and 20, is we'll find the sixth 
characteristic. A healthy church knows the power of God. And then lastly, verses 21 through 23 is where we'll find the seventh characteristic. A healthy church relies solely on Jesus. I know that's, that's mouthy. It's a lengthy. I'll say it again. Verses 21 through 23, our seventh characteristic. A healthy church relies solely on Jesus. All right. I know. I don't, know, I don't have anything uh, up there, but I, I, I just prefer to say it. And so... You know, uh, do we get that all written down? Do you want me to repeat that? Are we good? Okay, good, good. All right, all right. So we'll start with the first one. Verse 15. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me, let's do this. How about, let's, let's read a portion of scripture, shall we? Let me do this here. So let's read it, and then we're going to go ahead. Now that you understand my break, uh, my, uh, how I'm going to break it down, let's read a portion of scripture first, okay? Ephesians 1 starting verse 15, and I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Here we go. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you. Make my prayers, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding, or in your Bibles, it may say the eyes of your heart, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power? which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. 21. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. And lastly, verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. All right, let me take a quick drink here because my mouth is getting dry. Verse 15, it's at our first bullet point. What is it? Who wrote it down? Anyone remember? That's right. A healthy church has a good reputation. Let's take a look at it. Verse 15. Paul saying, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Well, right off the bat, you, 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 you could be prone to skim through it, but stop. Paul's in the prison. He's getting a report of the church. And what is he hearing? What he's, hearing? he's not hearing because, oh, I heard of your awesome worship band. I heard of their live albums that they put out. Oh, I heard of the, 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 the soundstage. Oh, I heard of your website. Oh, I heard of the light show. Oh, I've heard of the number of likes you're getting on social media. No, no, no. The report is that he has heard of their faith. Their faith in the Lord Jesus. The church they, in Ephesus has received the gospel and not only have they received the gospel, they're living that gospel. They're living a life of repentance. And because of that, they're growing in grace. They're growing in the grace of God. 
And you know what? Because of that gospel, they're taking in. And not only are they just hearing it, they're applying it. And guess what? That gospel changed creates a change in them. And that goes from head to heart and it causes action. And so from hearing the gospel, they begin living the gospel. And how do we know that? Because Paul says, it says that your love for all the saints. You know, their love for the saints has become so deep, so genuine, that it becomes something they are naturally known for. Now, let me ask you this. What do you desire for your church to be known for? If you call Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City your church, and if you were in Fuline and you heard people talking, what would, and they were talking about, oh, you noticed that they were talking about our church, what would you think they would say? What would you want them to say? You know, And the church, and how do we do that? Now, how, do, how does a church get that reputation? Well, we see the Ephesian church, they applied the gospel. They were living in grace. They were growing. It's really simple. It's really simple. I, I, there's, it's, it's really found. Romans 10, 17 tells us, so then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know, Simple. No, I don't, I don't have a whole list of, of things of how to, be, how to get that reputation. It's really simple. You be in the word of God. And you know what? Can I, can I be honest with you? Can, can I ask you a question here? You know, a, 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 a church whose people are reading and have a consistent diet of God's word, they're healthy. And those who are not, are not. So I got to ask you, and I got to ask me, are we in the word daily? No, 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 no condemnation. Look, I understand things get busy. We've got children. We've got jobs. We've got family. We've got illnesses. We've got a lot of things that can keep us from the word of God. But I want to encourage you, and I need to encourage me, that we're not going to grow if we're not in the word, we need a consistent diet of the word of God. We eat every day, right? I mean, I don't come and, you know, eat on Sunday and go, okay, I'm, I'm good for the next seven days. Yep, next Sunday I'll eat. No, no, I need to eat. Trust me. I get hangry. I need to be, I need my daily meals, you know. And just think, though, think of that spiritually. You can't just go come in and receive the word from Pastor John, and think you're going to be good until next Sunday, you'll be spiritually starving, spiritually malnourished. And if you're malnourished, how can you go in this world where the enemy is ready to pounce on us? Pounce on you. And how can we go through this world if we don't have the word of God? Trials waiting. How can we? How can we? And so really, you know, a healthy church is a church that is in the Word of God. Practical applications, look. You know, thank God we live in 2021. We can get the Bible on our phone. We can get the Bible on our tablet. We can get the Bible in our car. You know, and I want to tell you, yes, every morning you should get up in the morning 
and begin your word of uh, time of devotion and be in the word. And that's what Pastor John does. And that's what Pastor John has encouraged us to do. So yes, rightfully so, I'm going to encourage you to do the same. But also just, you know, if your work schedule doesn't allow it, if your time doesn't allow it, get the word in somehow. If you're in a position where you can listen to the Bible on an app, listen to the Bible. If you're in the car, listen to it. Get the word in. Look, and don't get all legalistic over it. Oh, I must read X amount of chapters a day. No. If you do a chapter, get in a chapter. You know, if you have to break it up, half a chapter. But you know, as you get into the word of God, you pray, Lord, this is the time that I have. Show me in this time that you have. Show me what you want me to hear, Lord. Speak to me through your word. Lord, increase my time in the word. Lord, there's so much going on. Lord, increase my time. You know, and God is faithful. God is faithful. You know, it tells us in James, right, that um, if, you know, we abide in him, he will abide in us. So I want to encourage you, now is not the time to get lazy. Now is not the time to get sloppy. It's so easy to get distracted. But a healthy church is a church that's in the word of God. And a healthy church consists of healthy people who are in the word of God. So my encouragement, be in the word of God. You know, um, If you look at the second part of the scripture, it says that the love of all the saints, the church of Ephesus, Paul commended them for their love that they have for the saints. You know, and John 13, 35 tells us, this is Jesus saying, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Simple, simple. You know, again, the church in Ephesus, they were receiving the gospel. They were in the word. They were growing. That growth causes them to love one another. And what do we mean by love? I mean, we throw that out. Love, love, love. I love tacos. I love Del Taco. I love this. I love that. Love. How do we, how do we love? How does the church love? Especially when it says here, you know, loving the saints. You know, a healthy church will carry each other's burdens. We do that every morning at 930 when we pray. A healthy church will know, hey, uh, this brother is going through an operation or this sister's out or this, this family struggle. I'm going to call him. I'm going to text him. Hey, how you doing? You know, oh, bring a meal. You know, we carry each other's burdens. That's Galatians 6.2, if you want a, a scripture reference for that. Want another one? A healthy church will pray for one another. That has been the theme. That's been on Pastor John's heart for a long time now. He says he wants this place to be a house of prayer. Yes, James 5, 13 through 18. Our pastor's scriptural. He's right on. He wants this, to be, he wants this place to be a, a place of prayer. And we need to pray. A healthy church will pray for one another. I need prayer. I know you need prayer. We, we can think of all, uh, the, I mean, just the past month those who've been wrestling with illnesses, those who've been wrestling with just different things. And we've been able to pray. That's what a healthy church does. We pray for one another. Come be a part of that. Pray with us. As a body, corporately, we have, what, three or four opportunities. You could come pray in the morning, every Sunday, 9.30, as Heidi was saying. For those who attend the Wednesday study, there's time allotted for prayer and prayer requests. Also, as Heidi was sharing, the men gather every Tuesday, every other Tuesday, let me clarify, for prayer. And also the women gather 
at racial throughout the month to pray. There's four different opportunities to pray. My encouragement, find one of those opportunities. Be a part of it. Be a part, because if you're praying, you're doing your part. You're doing your part, and not only is it benefiting you and you're blessing the church and you're blessing the Lord by being obedient, but guess what? Your part, you're making this a healthy church. And then lastly, a healthy church will forgive one another. Ooh, wait, 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 John. Ooh, why that? Why are you saying that, John? Look at, we're stuck with each other for all eternity. I got some quirks. I got some idiosyncrasies. I got some funny things. Guess what? Y'all do too. <laughs> and look, without meaning, without intending it, sometimes we can hurt each other's feelings. Sometimes we can step on each other's toes. Sometimes we can misspeak. Or sometimes we could just cause that. And you know what? Be careful because you walk around going, oh, I'm not going to talk to Brother John. Uh, he's, he looked at me funny. Uh, he didn't say good morning. Now I'm not going to talk to him. Uh, no, I don't like that guy. Uh, no, no. You know, you know what? What we want to do tells us in Scripture about a root of bitterness. We don't want a root of bitterness. That's why a healthy church forgives one another. Ephesians 4.32. So again, you know, healthy church. Another, We love one another. We carry each other's burdens. And we pray for one another. May we be a church that is simply known for two things. Faith in the Lord Jesus and love for all the saints. That's what I want to be known for. Is that, if, you call your, this is, if this is your church, is that what you want to be known for? And if you're visiting, look, if you're visiting and this is not your church, pray that you, you know, when you go back, pray for your church. You know, this is, this is, this is applicable to everyone, to all the churches. But yeah, I want, I want Calvary Chapel, Elizabeth City, to be known for their faith in the Lord. And love for all the saints. And if we're not, you know, we don't ever get the fancy parking lot or the gold-plated water fountains or the, you know, the petting zoo or the, uh, the rising drum spinning platform for the drummer, you know, you know, or the red keyboards, you know, hey, hey, that's okay. But hey, we're known for, we love the word of God and we love, you know, we love each other. That's what we want. Amen. Oh boy, let's go to verse 16, because verse 16, we got two characteristics. A healthy church is a thankful church, and also a healthy church never stops praying. Ooh, there that is again, praying. Why do we keep mentioning praying? Well, we'll talk, we'll talk about that. But let's look. Verse 16 says, and this is Paul continuing his thought. Verse 15, and Paul says in verse 16, do not cease to give thanks for you. Make mention of you in my prayers. See, Paul heard the report of the Ephesians being in the word that they, their, their faith is strong and they love, you know, and they love one another. And that makes Paul happy. And, and the reason why, and that causes Paul to want to pray. God is doing a good work in the church of Ephesus. That he heard that report and that makes Paul very thankful. So what can we glean from that? Brothers and sisters, a healthy church is thankful. Stop for a moment. Let's, let's stop. I'm guilty of this too. It's part of our routine. Wake up, shower, eat, 
drive to church, pull into the parking lot, get out of the car, close the door, walk up to the door, enter the door, go make coffee, go use the restroom, come say hi to this brother, this sister, say hi, hug, 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 pray, go church. But you know what? Have you ever stopped to notice that everything here is given to us by the Lord? This building is given to us as Lord. The clean water is given to us by the Lord. The, the plumbing is given to us by the Lord. The hot chocolate and coffee, thank you, Lord, is given to us by him. These clean chairs given to us. This pulpit by the Lord. You know, the sound given to us by God. The teachers given to us by the Lord. In the, in the children's ministry. And the benches given to us by the Lord. Drum machine given to us by the Lord. Every single thing here is given to us by the Lord. And you know what breaks my heart? And I'm guilty. To, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. You know, there's times where, like, uh, how come there isn't this program? Or, uh, how come this church, you know, this other church has lattes. How come this church doesn't? Oh, uh, this church has the red key, Nord keyboards. How come this church doesn't? You know, and, and dangerous, danger. Be careful. I'm saying that because. We're sinners in these suits of skin. It's, nat- it's, it's in our natural inclination to, to always look at the greener pastures, completely forgetting that everything here was given to us by the Lord. And we should rejoice in that. In fact, let me give you kind of the opposite. Okay, what's, what's the opposite of thankful? Unthankful, ungrateful. Look at Romans one twenty one. Addresses, addresses that. Look at, look at. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and foolish hearts were darkened. Ooh, Christian brother, Christian sister, take note of that. Because lack of being thankful, ingratitude is a sign of immorality and it's a sign of decay. Ooh, and if we if, and check your hearts, it's okay. We got to check our hearts. You know, if we if we if we find a hint of ingratitude, we find ourselves going, ah, no latte. You know, we got we got we got to check that out. We got to put our hearts in check. You know, I think the, the whole co. I know I'm going to talk about COVID. John, please stop. No, no, but look, 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 look. Last, was it last April, last May? We had a little taste of what it's like to have the gathering removed and taken from us. Never in my 46 years that I'd ever think that I would not be able to enter the church on an Easter Sunday. But yet, here we were, doors closed, online only. Okay. Let's not fool ourselves. This experience that we got as gathering, we saw that it could be taken away. It could be removed. You know? And then don't you remember when the doors reopened and we were allowed to gather again? And it was actually nice to shake hands and hug. How good that felt. How wonderful. Because we'd missed that. Let us not take that for granted. Let us not take that for granted. And I pray that as the Lord shows us in this portion of Scripture... We are, and we continue to be a healthy church that is thankful. Continuing with verse 16, because in this verse, Paul says, if you look at the comma, that he says, making mention of you in my prayers. Look, 
I know, I'm saying it again. There's a theme. See, our, our ears should be open. We're hearing this theme of praying, praying, prayer, prayer, gather to pray, gather to pray. My goodness, brothers and sisters, 2021, have you seen, did you ever think you'd see the craziness that's happening in the world today? Did you ever think that we'd be seeing this? No. But yet here we are, we are coming into some crazy times. And for the believer, what's going to keep us grounded is being in the word, praying, empowered by his Holy Spirit. That's how we're going to stand. We're going to stand, we're going to be able to stand by being on our knees. We're going to be able to stand by our noses in the word, taking in the word. That's, that's, how we, that's how we're going to stand. A healthy church prays. And as we see, as Paul says right here, do not cease to give thanks, making mention of you in my prayers. Praying. And see, see it wasn't a, Paul was thankful. There was good news. He was, there was good news. And so that caused him to pray. So yes, I know it's, it's, it's pray for when things are wrong and for when things are going bad. But you know what? As a church, we need to be praying always for all things at all times. And that's the lesson that we can take here. We see that with a thankful heart, Paul prayed for them. And we need to do the same. A healthy church is a thankful church, and a healthy church never stops praying. All right. Now, now in verse 17, we're going to talk about we're going to start looking into what Paul is praying for specifically. Give me a moment. I know, I know. (laughs) Verse 17 tells us, look, (laughs) you know, never mind. mind. During the leadership meeting, there was a, it was talked about that there was a rowdy section. I'm not going to mention any names. I'm not going to mention any people, but <laughs> yes, we love you. <laughs> There's a rowdy section in here, y'all. Pray for them. I'm not, I'm not mentioning any names, not pointing anyone out. Just, just pray for them. I'm just kidding. But look, look, verse 17, verse 17, stay with me, stay with me. Verse 17, we're going to start looking at what Paul's praying about, okay? Look at, look at, verse 17 tells us, tells us that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Okay, real quick, real quick, look, look, first part of the scripture, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then he's, comma, comma, pause, the father of glory. I like that. I like how the Holy Spirit impressed that on Paul's heart. Because before one mentioning of the request, before one word of what the actual petition is, Paul here acknowledges who he's praying to. And we'd be fools not to, to if we'd miss that. Look at, look at, look at, look at. When he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, the Father of glory, I want to hone in on that, the Father of glory. The word glory is used in the Bible to speak of wonderful things, the presence of God. Right? The glory. But when you think about it, think about God's glory. Okay? Think about that. And think about 
those in scripture who encountered God's glory and the effect that it had on them. That same glory, the same glory of God, when Moses, his face supernaturally radiated that, the glory of God. The same glory that made Isaiah cry out, woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips. When he encountered God's glory, it made him cry out spontaneously. It made God's, when, he, when Isaiah became confronted with God's glory, it, in an instant, he saw the majesty of God and it made him realize his sinfulness. God's glory will do that. The same glory that paralyzed the priest when Solomon was dedicating the temple that they had rebuilt. God's glory fell and the priests were paralyzed. That glory, that's the glory. And lastly, another example, the same glory that the apostle John saw when he came face to face that made him, in his own words, fall to his feet as dead. That, that's the glory that we're talking about. So before, before we even begin, like Paul, before we even begin to petition and say our prayer, let us remember who we're praying to. God, my Lord, and his glory, oh my goodness. And see, now, of all the things that Paul could pray for the church of Ephesians, he could have said, oh Lord, Father, bless them with three services. Let them get, you know, uh, 10,000 people. Bless them with a huge parking lot. You know, bless them with that petting zoo. Bless them with their a program. Bless them with you know, all, all the things that, that Paul could have prayed for them. But what does he pray for? Well, it tells us, it tells us here that Paul says here, may give you, we're still on verse 17, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Ooh, so he's asking the Father to give them the spirit of wisdom. Why did Paul specifically ask that they would receive wisdom? Because Proverbs 2, 6 tells us all true wisdom comes from God. Comes only from God. Tells us in Proverbs 2, 6, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Brothers, sisters, we need God's wisdom. Again, I can use our, the current state of affairs as a perfect example of why we need We need God's wisdom to help us make the right decisions. We need God's wisdom to discern the false prophets that are coming and the false teachings that would want to distract you and keep you away. We need God's wisdom on that. The second part of the scripture, revealing the knowledge of him. Paul is praying that God will reveal himself to those Ephesian Christians. That God will make it possible for them to know him more intimately. 
And by doing that, this would come, they would come to an understanding of God's will in their life. You know, as we look at that scripture, I see why Paul wants, Paul prayed for the spirit of wisdom and for the revelation in the knowledge of him. My goodness, you know. Thought came to my mind. I pray that we stay hungry. I pray, you know what it's like to feel hungry. I told you earlier, I get hangry when I get hungry. I, like, I, get, I need to eat. Where's my food? But you know what? I pray spiritually that you get hangry and you get hungry and nothing will satisfy until you get the word of God, that you get that encounter with him, that you meet him. You know, that's where we need that desire. That's where and I think that's why Paul was praying for that because the more, as our eyes are open and the more we are, we become aware of his glory and we become who we are, who, who he is, I'm sorry, that should make us hungry. Wow, Lord, I see you in your glory. I see who you are. I want to know you. I want to know you more. Lord, I want to be in your presence more. That's why Paul prayed that. Because without the Lord initiating that in our, in our hearts, without the Lord making that first move and giving us that desire to know him, we will, on our own, we're, we're, we're flesh. We're, we're fallen creatures. On our own, we will never seek the Lord on our own. It's the power, empowering of God's spirit. It's the empowering of the Lord. It's the Lord that has to give us that spirit of wisdom and it's the Lord who's got to reveal him to us. So again, I pray that God makes us hungry. A healthy church will be hungry for the word of God. A healthy church will continually seek the Lord. All right, moving on. Verse 18. Was right, the fifth characteristic. A healthy church has healthy eyes. John, what do you mean? You mean everyone in the church has got to go to the eye doctor, required to have correction vision, you know, you know, glasses? No, 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 no. Check this out. Verse eighteen says, "The eyes of our, of the, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance." You know, the eyes of your understanding, or some of your translations may say heart. The core, that you know, that you're able to see these things. See, the things of the Lord are spiritual. You got colleges, secular colleges, teaching the Bible as a textbook, but there's no, there's no spiritual blindness. They're just word for word. There's, there's really no, there's no understanding. There's no spiritual death to it. But... That's why Paul is praying that our eyes be open. We need our spiritual eyes to be open. That's how we're going to catch spiritual things. That's how we're going to receive spiritual things that God has for us. You know, I talked about this with the youth a while back in, in a conversation, but 
It's been said that there are 18 inches between your head and your heart. But unfortunately, some people will miss heaven by those 18 inches. Why? Because they know God in their heads. But somehow from the head to the heart, they don't. Something gets lost. They intellectually believe the gospel. But they never let it change their hearts. See, that's where Paul's praying. That their eyes would be open. That they would see. See, without the... The Lord opening our spiritual eyes, we would never be able to understand and partake of the blessings that I was telling you about That's that Paul listed in the first 14 verses of Ephesians 1. Again, read it. You'll be blessed to see what God has done for us just because he loves us. But without spiritual eyes, or without our spiritual eyes open, we'll miss it. It's going to be just a bunch of words, a bunch of jarble letters. It's not going to mean anything. That's why Paul is praying for our spiritual eyes to be open. And with our spiritual eyes open, not only can we fully comprehend the blessings, but it says in that portion of scripture that we're reading, the hope of his calling. Okay, we know the hope of his calling, you know, but without our spiritual eyes being open, we won't be able to fully comprehend what it is that someday we will see him as he is. And we're going to be with him for all eternity. And that all of this that, 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 that we're going through, the having to say goodbye to loved ones, the, all this, you know, the craziness around us, that this will be long gone and that we will be with the Lord forever. See, without spiritual eyes, without, without our eyes being open, we're not, we can't comprehend that. We, can't, we just don't get it. That's why Paul is praying that our eyes be open, that we could take in these things. Also, that our eyes would be open, that God has chosen us for this. God wants us to be a part of his kingdom. God wants us to be with him for all eternity. God wants us, he wants to use us, sinful me, sinful you, to be his ambassadors. We're not going to see that unless our eyes are open. We won't be able to comprehend that. Also, not only that he's chosen us, but consider that God is never going to give up on us. He's not going to give up on us. And if our, that's why we need our spiritual eyes open so that we can take that in. That, oh my goodness, Lord, I'm a fallen sinner. Before the foundations of the world, you saved me. And now you've, you, you've redeemed me. And now you have good works planned for me. And you're going to empower me. You're going to, you know, and I get to be used by you. But then when it's all said and done, you're going to give me a crown. I know I've shared that before, but that blows my mind. And that, that our God would do this. See, without our eyes being open, we won't get it. To someone sitting in a secular college class, reading just the Bible, going through this, they won't get it. Unless our eyes, their eyes are spiritually open. So, a little side note here. God has given us that ability, that desire. God has commissioned us to share that. May the Lord use us to help open those eyes, to share that gospel with that neighbor, to share the gospel with that coworker, to encourage that brother and that sister in the Lord. Help them. We all get a part. To be, we all get a chance to be a part of what God is doing. Have 
As a church, we need to have healthy eyes. You know, and then, and then, I think I scrolled down too far here. Okay, okay, here we go. Oh, at last part of verse 18. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? This one blows me away, okay? We're still on uh, verse 18. And here, I just want to talk about this part because look, 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 look. Kind of reminds me, I think, of a, a story that I, I saw. A, a guy who uh, a lot, had a lot, winning lottery ticket. Every week he'd buy the t- lottery ticket uh, just out of habit. And, you know, he just got so used to not winning, just chucked the ticket, put it in the drawer, and the lottery was, was called. And there have been, you know, they're like, hey, you know, reports. So there's a winner in the area, but no one's come forward. No one's come forward, you know. And realizing the guy, out of habit, body, buying his ticket, he had the winning ticket all this time. But it was just so, that he just out of habit, he just threw it, didn't check the numbers because he got so used to losing, that he had millions waiting for him, you know? And, and I think kind of that example, when I read that, makes me think about us, that we don't fully get how God feels about us. It's, it's, if you look again, first, you know, the first 14 chapters of Ephesians, we see how much God loves us. But I, I, I like how Paul points it out again in the latter part of verse 18. That we are a glorious inheritance. The Lord looks at us and goes, you are my inheritance. What? 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 The God of creation, the God who, who fashioned, who spoke into existence this universe, looks at puny man and goes, and calls me an inheritance, calls you an inheritance. He does. I, I, as you all know, I carry Mel in Edenton. And there's a company. And what they do, there's some old dilapidated houses. Old houses. And there's a few houses on my route that I thought, oh yeah, that, that house is it's all lopsided. It's, you know, you know it, it's, it's going to be bulldozed. right? And I see a crew come. And this company starts, and I originally thought they were going to demo the house, but no, you know what? They actually fixed the foundation. And this old, rickety, dilapidated house, they start restoring it. And they start fixing it. And then pretty soon, the windows, the, the, the wood that was covering the windows are removed, and the siding's restored. And the house is, is restored to its grandeur, to its beauty. And then they put the house up for sale and it makes a lot of profit. But, uh, but, but look, here's an example though. Our God is the same. He takes his old, rickety, dilapidated sinners that we were. You know your stories. I know my story. But instead of casting us away, instead of going, no, you're not savable. Just like I saw that house. That just, as I saw that house and I thought it wasn't savable. No, no. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to set your foundation right with my word. I'm going to fill you with my spirit and I'm going to remove all the dark and clutter. And I'm going to open, I'm going to, my presence is going to dwell. And you're going to be a light and people will look at you and I'll be glory. You're, I'm going to use you to, to minister to share my gospel. So unlike this, unlike this uh, company that sells these houses once they're restored, 
God doesn't sell us. Oh, no. God, no, no, no. I fixed you. I restored you. You're mine for all eternity. Oh, I'm not going to get rid of you. Uh Uh-uh. I put so much work in you. I love you. You're going to be with me forever. That, that is our God. That is our God. That's why that portion tells us we are his glorious inheritance because that's how much he loves us. Again, nothing that we did of ourselves, nothing that I did, but that he loves us. Mm. Amen. That I pray, I pray, you know, healthy church, that we have healthy eyes that we would know that. Verse 19 and 20, a healthy church knows the power of God. I'm going to read the scripture. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? You know, I kind of like what the, what the new it's stated. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read verse 19 and 20 with the, uh, using the New Living Translation. I also pray, and here it is. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty, mighty power. Okay. Paul gives us a description of this power. This is the same power that God the Father used to raise Jesus from the dead. The same power that conquered death and exalted Jesus at his right side in the heavenly places. I like what H.W. Uh, Ironside, he's a commentator who's long gone to be with the Lord. Um, I heard about him because I, yeah, I found out that a while back that Pastor Chuck used his commentary. And so I was curious to see what he said. And this is cool. This is what Ironside says about this portion of scripture. Paul does not call our attention to the power that created the heaven and the earth, to the power that brought the people out of Egypt, the, the Israel, Israel out of Egypt, or parted the Red Sea. Nor does he call the, our attention to the work of the mighty miracles through the Lord and his apostles, but to the greatest manifestation of power of God is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That's what Paul lists as the perfect example. This is the same power that works in believers who walk in fellowship with him. Look, if the power, if that power can undo death, resurrect Jesus and exalt him, what can it do for us? Oh my goodness. I pray that we know that, that we fully comprehend and understand the power of God. Because it's God, with the empowering of his spirit, we can do anything. We can reach those that need to hear the gospel. We can, you know, God could, we'll even surprise ourselves what God can do through us. It's that power. It's that power. Verse 21 through 23, the last one. A healthy church relies solely on Jesus. And now let me read the, the, the verse. Far above, hold on here. Far above all principle and principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, all in all. Last one, a healthy church relies solely on Jesus. In that portion of the scripture, Paul tells us exactly what the Father has done for Jesus. 
far above every rule, far above all authority, above all power, above every dominion, not only present, not only past, present and future. The Father created the church. The church is his idea, his creation. And the Father put one alone over the church. That is Jesus. That is why we worship and we exalt Jesus. Do you want to bless the Father's heart? Worship his Son. The church is his body. It is made full and complete by Jesus. Jesus does not need John Barrera's help. Jesus does not need my input. I listen to Jesus. We listen to Jesus. He is self-sufficient. It's his church. Not our church. It's his church. So there we go. Seven characteristics. Stern warning. Let me put on my stern face. All kidding aside, no. Look at, look at, look at. We just went over the seven characteristics of a healthy church, and you might think to yourself, okay, John, I think we're good. Yeah, okay, my church, yeah, we got all those, yeah. We're good. We're good, okay. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. I cite to you the church of Ephesus as an example of what happens if we are not mindful and we're not careful. Church of Ephesus? It's a dollar general now. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, I don't know, but it's not there anymore. It's not there, not there. The city of Ephesus was located in a country near Turkey, but now it's predominantly a Muslim country. There is no longer a Christian church in Ephesus. There's no longer a city in Ephesus. It's an archaeological site now. What happened? What went wrong? The church of Ephesus started off strong. This whole portion, this whole teaching today was based on Paul's commendation to what was going on in Ephesus. But from that time till what Jesus said to them in Revelations 2.5, something happened. Let me read Revelations 2.5 in the New Living Translation. This is Jesus talking to the church of Ephesus. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. They lost their first love. What is their first love? They their love for Jesus. Once a church loses its love for Jesus, once we lose its love for Jesus, complacent, our hearts, oh, our hearts that sin in, we become open to false teachings. We get seduced by the lies of the enemy and deceptions of the devil. The church of Ephesus was once a bright light The light snuffed out. It's gone. John, you're really bumming me out, man. Look, Jesus, reading Revelation 2.5, Jesus himself says what the church of Ephesus needed to do. And if we're wise, we're going to heed. Let's, let's break it down. Revelation 2.5, just, just a paraphrasing. Jesus says, 
Look and acknowledge. Be honest. Look at yourselves. You know, David, you say, search my heart, O God. Look. Ask the Lord to show you. Look, if there's, if there's, if you're falling away, if there's, if you haven't been in the Word, if you've been distracted, be honest with Jesus. Be honest. Acknowledge that to Him. Continuing the portion of Scripture, then Jesus says, again, me paraphrasing, repent to me. He doesn't require us to walk on glass shards. He doesn't require self-flagellation. He doesn't require crazy things. He just wants us to repent, turn back to him, to love him again. That's all. That's all is required. And the sad thing is they didn't. They didn't. So let's not let's not fall and make the same mistake as the church of Ephesus did. We're alive and well in 2021. Look, look around, look around. We got a healthy uh, children's ministry. We got a healthy body here. We're gathered here. Let us not get complacent. Let us not be unthankful. Let us not make the same mistake as the Ephesians did. Let us not stop loving Jesus. Let us not stop loving Jesus. Let us not stop loving Jesus. Because we stopped loving Jesus. It's over. It's over. Okay. You know, like I said earlier, We've been talking seven characteristics, right? We know that the church itself is a building, God-given building, but it's still a building. A healthy church is comprised of healthy believers, spirit-filled, born-again believers. Okay, so if you're hearing this message and you're going, I, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, uh, who's, you know, I... I I'm hearing this, and something's burning in my heart, but I, I, who is this Jesus? I want to know. I'll make you an opportunity to know Jesus. Time of prayer. And if to, to the believer in here who's been difficult, experiencing a difficult time, you've acknowledged that you've, you've slid away, that you haven't, you haven't been in your word, that you've kind of haven't, you haven't been thinking, you know, you've, you've kind of, in a place of backsliding, look, Isaiah 44.22 tells us, I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I have scattered your offenses like the morning mist. Oh, return to me. Return to me. I have paid the price to set you free. So this morning, as we bow our heads and close our eyes, and James, would you come on up, brother? As we conclude the service, you know, Pastor John doesn't do the altar. You know, uh, he believes that having these moments, you don't need to come up. You don't need to front. And I'm going to do the same thing too. It's a private moment between you and the Lord. But if you do need prayer, I want you to know that I, I'm available after service. Okay. Also, some of the other leaders and deacons will be available as well. But look, look. Now's the time. Let's, let's take a look at these seven characteristics. Let's see. Let's examine our hearts. And again, 
Let's come before the Lord. So please bow your head. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that you've uh, showed us, Lord. And Father, I just pray, Lord, now for those who don't know you, those who are hearing this and going, okay, this is burning in my heart. What do I do? Lord, we thank you that it's really simple that we just have to ask you to come into our lives. Just ask him to receive your son. Lord, and if we are those who know you, but we've fallen away or we're not, or we've strayed, that you just want us to return to you. So Lord, I pray now as for my brothers and sisters, Lord, as they think and reflect on that, Lord, that they would make a decision, that they would come to you, Lord, or that they would repent to you, Lord. Lord, and if things are good and the things are well, Lord, and you showed them, all right, you're good. Lord, then I pray, Lord, that we would be thankful, Lord, for your goodness. Father, I thank you, Lord, for my brothers and sisters here. And Lord, just thank you for what you're doing in our lives, Lord. We thank you that you love us, Lord, and you've given us your word. Lord, I pray now, Lord, that you would just speak to us. for joining us today for Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us next week as we continue through the Bible, book by book, verse by verse, line by line. God bless.